Uh, and the, we've been talking about the miracles of Jesus on Sunday nights. And uh, Matthew chapter 17, we'll read three or four verses and, and get that there. The, if you will, the money, the miracle of the tribute money. And uh, Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 24, if you have your Bible, you got it open. Let's read together, if you will. The Bible says, And when they were come to Capernaum, uh, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master uh, pay tribute? And he, and he saith, Yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute of, the, of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, of strangers, Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Go thou to the sea, and cast an hook, and take up the fish, and that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened, opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money, and take uh, that, uh, that take, and give unto them for me, and... Thee. Now let's go back to the beginning of those verses, verse number 24. Uh, they are taking up money for tribute uh, for, the, uh, for the house of God. And uh, what they would do is they take up money to pay for the things that, de- that were designated for the Lord, designated for the house of God. In this time period, uh, the rabbis were exempt from paying that tribute, were exempt from paying the money that was supposed to go to the house. And uh, Jesus, here he is, uh, he is asked about the money that he is to pay to tribute, and Peter immediately pipes up. And uh, much like Peter, he (laughs) immediately sticks his foot in his mouth, just like many other times when Peter says things. My mind immediately goes to when Peter, uh, when Jesus was talking about dying, Peter's like, I'll go with you to the death. And and Peter Peter didn't know what he was talking about because Peter would deny Jesus three times. And and uh, there were many other times, even when they came to get Jesus, to take Jesus away, Peter rips out his sword and tries to cut off the guy's head uh, just because immediately he wanted to do something, say something, and stop somebody. And, and so he immediately had an answer. But if you look here in that verse, in that very next verse, Jesus says unto him in verse number 25, What thinkest of thou, Simon, of whom do kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Jesus looked at Peter and said, hey, shut up just a second. Be quiet. Listen, uh, who, who do you think Jesus needs to give tribute to? Who do you think, who do you think God needs to give tribute to? Who do the kings give tribute to? Hey, you understand who you're talking to? You understand that you're talking to the Son of God? You understand that you're talking to the creator of the earth? You understand that I was there when the foundations of the world were poured? I was there. I was there when they, when hey, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. I was there, and uh, Jesus says, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, Peter. I am not. I don't have to pay tribute to anybody." And Jesus doesn't. He doesn't owe tribute to anybody. He didn't owe tribute to the. He didn't owe tribute to the to the to the house of God. He didn't owe tribute to those rabbis. He didn't owe tribute at that time. He didn't owe tribute tax. He didn't owe it because he's Jesus Christ. He didn't have to pay it. <clears throat> and that's what he was illustrating to Peter here. What? You want me? Hey, do, do kings pay tribute? You, you look at all these countries that have kings and queens and, and royalty. You think, you think for just a moment that they pay tribute? You think that just for a moment they're going to pay taxes? 
Look, in America, sometimes we're like, ah, oh, it's taxed too much, right? But thankfully, in America, everyone gets taxed. Even the president. Even, no matter who they are, rich or small, young or old, uh, uh, no matter what we make, we still have to pay taxes. But in other countries, kings and queens and, and royalty and monarchs and all those people, they don't have to pay taxes. But Jesus looked at Peter and he said, man, I don't have to pay tax. I don't have to pay tribute. You know, truly, Jesus doesn't have to pay tribute to nobody. And, and, and even, even in our life, even in, in the things that go on, uh, Jesus doesn't bow down to anybody. There's nobody on this earth or, or the earth to come or the things present or things past that Jesus has ever bowed down to. Yeah, there's never been a time that Jesus questioned what he did. And there's never been a time that his power wasn't enough. You know, we've talked about, we talked about Winston Ida talking about the devil being strong, but Jesus is stronger. Uh, 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 greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, so the devil might have power, God is stronger. Uh, the devil might be strong, but Jesus is stronger. Uh, Jesus cannot be overcome. You understand that? Jesus Christ cannot be overcome. He cannot be overcome. There's never a time in, in time period, past, present, or future, that Jesus will ever become to a place where he can be overcome. Each one of us, we could get overrun, and we could get overcome. We get overcome, and we get... <laughs> You take a military and you place, us, you place the military into another country, we're going to be overrun. There's no way that you're going to put more of our military into another country than they have. You're going to be overrun with them. But if you take Jesus Christ, no matter where he's at, no matter where, what, what situation he's in, he'll never be overcome. And so when Jesus was on this earth, he was not overcome. He was not to pay tribute. He didn't have to pay tribute. He didn't have to pay custom to who, who custom was due. And that's what he told Peter. I don't have to do that. But it's interesting enough that Jesus, even though he did not have to, Jesus still had respect enough for the house of God and respect enough for the rabbis and respect enough for religious tradition, he still paid tribute. And he still paid custom because he didn't have to because of who he was. But yet he still did because in verse number 27, he pays tribute. At the very end of chapter 27, he said, give them the money for me and thee. So not only you see Jesus was, uh, did not have to pay tribute, but Jesus respected their position enough that he paid tribute. But not only was he, did he have enough respect to pay tribute, Jesus himself did not have enough money to pay tribute. What do you mean? He didn't have money in his pocket to pay tribute. He didn't reach down in his pocket and say, hold on just a second, let me cover that. He didn't. He wasn't a rich man. He wasn't a man that flaunted his money. You know, man, sometimes it honestly makes me sick to watch some of those TV evangelists. Uh, talk about how they brag about what, they're, what they have. You know, their million-dollar planes. And I, I, I watched a video the other day, and that one of those guys was just bragging about how many planes he had. And, you know, and all of it's his. 
Well, ultimately, none of it's his. It all belongs to God. But man, everything that I have and everything that I am, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. When Jesus was on this earth, he wasn't a rich man. He wasn't a man that had lots and lots of money. He was a simple man. He didn't reach in his pocket and pay for his own tribute. He had a miracle that did that. But we see, in, by way of introduction, that, that this, this man, this Jesus, he respected. He did not have to pay tribute, but yet he respected enough to pay tribute, and he paid enough tribute for him and Peter. But why? Why did Jesus do the miracle? Why did Jesus do this miracle? Look in verse number 27. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Why did Jesus do this miracle? Not to offend them. Not to offend them. You say, why, why would that make any importance to Jesus, whether to do a miracle or not, whether to offend somebody? Should we live our life on purpose to offend someone? No. Uh, ultimately, my, my opinions might offend somebody. <laughs> Your opinion might offend somebody. But we should not live our life trying to offend people. The Bible says a brother uh, offended is harder to win than a strong city with walls. You know, I, I worked with a guy, and I told you the illustration. I worked with a guy in Hot Springs when I was in Bible college, and he was an atheist. And uh, uh, he said he was. I, I really don't believe that he ever was, but he said that he didn't believe in God. But he, he goes, I remember when I was a kid and I used to go to such and such church. And they, they made me mad and they did this to me and they did this to me and they treated me bad. And so they, he wouldn't go back to church because of something that took place at church. You know, we can use, we can use our mouth to offend somebody and they'll never darken the doors of church again. So we ought to watch what we say and watch what we do because I don't want to offend somebody so much that they won't even darken the doors of church. Look, but I, I will say this, though. If it's the Bible, it's the Bible. If it's the truth, it's the truth. And so sometimes the Bible offends and sometimes the truth offends. But I don't have to be rash about it and I don't have to be rude about it and I don't have to be mean about it either. If it offends, truth sometimes does. But... And like I said, that Jesus did this miracle so that he would not offend the religious crowd. He would not offend those that he was trying to reach. <clears throat> our goal this year, our theme, if you will, is to reach one. Who am I going to reach? If I have a certain individual that is in my mind that I'm trying to reach, what, am I going to work overtime to offend them? Or am I going to work overtime not to offend them? Because I want to reach them for the cause of Christ. I remember, and I've told this story, I told you a couple weeks ago, but I remember when I was a kid and I used to go door knocking and go door to door. I could care less if we got in an argument and we got mad at each other and we left the door and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. Man, I wanted an argument sometimes just because I was so, man, let's go, come on. And I thought that was winning a battle, you know. But ultimately... You know, me arguing with somebody at their door accomplishes nothing. And ultimately makes them more mad. That's why when you go to knock on somebody's door and someone will barely open that door and barely talk to you, it's because of the person that came before me yelled at them. 
and argued with them and made them mad. So my, what I try to leave to them is not somebody who's mad at them and upset at them and ugly to them, someone who's simply trying to leave the door open for the next guy. If I can't get a chance to witness to, I need to make sure the next person can. And as we live our life and we're trying to reach one person, we've got to make sure that we leave that door open so that they can be reached. You know, I left Hot Springs after working with that guy for three years. He was still lost. Man, I tried. And I, I, I mean, we, we argued. Sometimes probably too much. But I tried to allow to just to give him the gospel multiple times, but he refused and refused and refused. It was like five years after I left Hot Springs that he called me and said, hey, man, I just wanted to tell you I got saved. But, you know, it wasn't me. All I was trying to do was make sure that the door was still open so that when I left there, if God would still work, that he could get saved. And so that we may not see the effect of it today or tomorrow, next week, or a month from now, but if you stay faithful and you do what you need to do and do your best not to offend, of course, like I said, truth offends sometimes. But truth may offend, but truth given in love won't offend as bad. Jesus didn't want to offend them, so he did the miracle. But I will see this, and one of the main thrusts of the message, if you will, is that this miracle came, number one, by way of Peter's work. This miracle came by the way of Peter's work. See, Jesus could have easily just reached in his pocket and gave the man tribute. Could he have not? Could he have not done the miracle and said, oh, here's a coin, here, here it is. But what did he do? He told Peter, go out and fish for it. He told Peter that if the miracle was to take place, that Peter was to go fishing. Throw your fish, throw your pole in the, in the water and go fishing. In verse number 27, he said, go to the sea and cast a hook and take up the fish. Jesus told him, he said, go down to the sea, get your fishing rod, and throw your hook in the water, and when there's a fish on the line, pull him in. So what did Jesus make him do? He made him go work. Sometimes miracles are not going to come unless we work. As I said, Jesus could have as easily just reached in his pocket and said, oh, I've got it. Here it is. And been on his way. But Jesus wanted to illustrate, I believe, in my personal opinion, wanted to illustrate to us that just because God can doesn't mean that he will unless we work. I wonder sometimes if the miracle's not being withheld because we won't do anything to do, do anything for God. Why would God give it to us if we won't just sit back and just wait? Not do anything. You, I, I hope I'm making sense. Like I want God to fill up our church, but I can't just sit back and wait and pray and, and may, maybe it'll happen. Right. That's right. I want God to see people get saved, people get baptized. Well, let's just sit back and hope it happens. Yes. No. You know, there's, there has to be footwork yeah. to the prayer. Yeah. So if I want God to do that, then I've got to do everything possible getting people in this building. So the Bible says to go out and compel them to come to the house. 
So if it requires doing something to entice them, doing something to bring them into the house of God, then that's what I should do because I need to do my part. And when it comes to the miracle, because I want to see God do a miracle, but God's not going to do the miracle if I'm not willing to do the work. And just like us, just like in your life, if you want a miracle to happen, we just sat back and wait. There's been people sitting back and waiting and never saw a miracle take place because simply they won't do the work that needs to be done to have the miracle that needs to take place. You're satisfied or satisfied with what's going on. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with what God is doing. I want God to do more. I want more people to be saved and more people to join the church and more people to come. That's what I desire, but, I, but it's not going to take place unless I work Amen. and God works. But God's not going to work on my behalf if I won't work on His behalf. And I understand that every single person is limited on their physical limitations. But God knows where you're at and God knows your limitations and so do you. <clears throat> but you can still work for the Lord. I believe there's like five families that visited church this past year, 2022, who were handed a track or a Bible. Five different families. Now, and not all of them were because someone knocked on their door, but some of them were because someone saw them and invited them to church. So whether you're at home or whether you're at the school or whether you're, whether you're at work or whether you're at the pharmacy or whether you're at the store or whether you're at, uh, invite folks to church because you just never know what a track may do to get them into church. It is our responsibility to go out and tell them, but if we're not willing to go out and tell them, how in the world are they going to know? The Bible says, how will they know without a preacher? They will not know and they will not hear if we don't tell. They won't know. They won't know. How did you know? How did you know? Who told you? Somebody told you. Somebody came to you. Somebody who was willing to do the work, and then God did the miracle. And I know I'm specifically speaking about reaching people, but there's more than that. It goes so much deeper. Uh, just in a miracle situation, if I want God to do a miracle, you can't sit back and just expect it to happen. We've got to go ahead and work and pray. What is it in the New Testament? Jesus had his disciples, and his disciples... There was a man who come forward and said, hey, uh, this guy can't cast the demon out. Well, Jesus cast the demon out. And he said, look, he said, you perverse generation. This can only happen if you fast and pray. <coughs> Maybe there's a miracle that I'm withholding because I won't spend time with God and I won't fast and I won't do the work that I need to do to make the miracle take place. Uh, ultimately, the miracle's not on me. I can't produce the results. I can't produce people. Only God can. Only God can make the miracle take place. 
But I would hate to know that I'm withholding a miracle because I won't pray and I won't fast and I won't spend time with God and I won't do the, all that I can do to make sure that that's all. I, hey, I'm going to give everything I have. When I, was, when I played high school basketball, one of the things that you were always told to give every, give it all on the court. Don't leave anything on the court. I don't know that that completely makes sense, but don't leave anything on the court. Why? Because you want to make sure you give it all. That's it. But why is it in the Christian life we can't give it all? Just give it all to the Lord. Leave it all on the court. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what God's going to do. But we've got to leave and give God everything so that he can take what we have and make it so much more. He took that little guy's fish, uh, Peter's fish, fish and pole and, and hook and caught him a fish. He brought that fish in. He said, hey, Jesus, I got a fish. He said, hold on, get the money out of the mouth. The money out of the mouth? Reaches in there and pulls out enough money to pay tribute for him and Peter. Was that by accident God did that? No, it happened because Peter worked and God blessed. And God made a miracle happen. We need to be willing to do what God wants us to do. Be willing to do what God wants us to do. You want a miracle to take place? I do. Every one of us. Uh, you know, I've set out that goal. I've asked you to think about it. I asked you to pray about it. one person. Maybe you already have that one person in your mind. You want God to reach them? Let's pray for them. Let's spend time with God. Hey, you want God to do the miracle? Then we've got to put the footwork in. Look, I want to reach one person for the Lord this year. That's what I want to do. But you know what? I, I've got to put the footwork in. I got to make sure that I'm making contacts. I got to make sure that I'm talking to people, inviting people, and giving them the gospel and sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not going to take place if I don't open my mouth and put my footwork to it. Make sure that I'm spending time with God. Make sure that I'm praying. Make sure that I'm fasting. Make sure that I'm doing all that I can to make sure the miracle takes place. I want a miracle. And you're, you're living here today, you're in church today because of a miracle. Every one of you, you're in church today because of a miracle. God saved you. If there's not any other miracle in the whole wide world that has ever happened to you, that's the best miracle that's ever taken place. God saved you. That's a miracle. And if you've ever had answered prayer, guess what? That's a miracle. God worked on your behalf. Let's work on his. Work on his behalf so God will work on our behalf. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for everyone.